you're listening to Everything's Totally Fine. I'm Allie Hawk, and I'll be your host. Every other Tuesday, we bring you people who share stories about their lives. These aren't just any people, they're the toughest we can find. So join us every other Tuesday to hear about the times we pretend everything's totally fine. Welcome back for season two. I'm really excited we have some amazing storytellers lined up for you, starting with one who has walked through fire and didn't get burnt. He has toured the country doing a solo storytelling show, and now he works with people to reconnect them with their sense of purpose in life, which I know works because he's done it for me personally. I'm very excited to welcome Michael Cass to the show, and he starts us off in Chicago. And this moment happened outside of a, there's a intersection called Lincoln and Southport, and there's a diner there, or there used to be, I don't actually know if it's still there, called the Golden Apple Diner. And on this night, at midnight, right out front of the Golden Apple Diner, on a rainy evening, I uh, kneeled down in front of a woman, and I proposed to her. Did, did you know her? I knew her. We had dated. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, we had been broken up for six months at this time. So they'd been broken up. But before they broke up, they bought tickets to see a show. And they both still wanted to see the show, so they decided over email that they would still go. I, I couldn't imagine my life without her, except... She told them ahead of time that she was already seeing somebody else. I'm like, oh, great, she's going to get married. She's going to marry this guy. I can't let her see how freaked out I am, so I'm like trying to play it cool. They see the show and decide to go to a diner afterwards. I begged her, basically, to go to the diner with me after the show. Because it was, it was a thing where every night after we broke up, I would get to my apartment and I would like pray that she would be waiting there for me. And I wondered like a couple times I went by her apartment just drove by on the off chance that she would happen to be outside and maybe I would see her. Like, it was borderline. I almost got to the uh, say anything moment of, you know, holding the boombox. But you realize in real life that's stalker behavior. That's not romance. Okay. It's no. real creepy and quasi-emotionally abusive. So I didn't... I had... Like, no good romantic story is like, and then we broke up, but then we got back together because he followed me for six months. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Which is, I was right on the verge of doing that. Um... Instead, what happened is she agreed to meet me at the diner, and we go to the diner, and I'm sitting across from her, and, like, these words are just, I, I just, I went insane. And and there was an interesting abstraction that occurred, like, there was a part of my brain, it was almost an out-of-body experience, where I was up in the corner of the diner looking at, at me being a total asshole. I had just gotten back from Hawaii, and I had this stupid shark tooth necklace uh-huh. that I gave to her uh-huh. and she held out her hand and I like squeezed her fingers around and she says you're hurting me because of course it's a shark it's digging into her skin I'm like oh my god I'm so sorry and then finally I just looked at her and I went look if you can if you can look at me right now and you can tell me that you don't love me then I'll go I'll leave you'll never have to see me again or something really dramatic like that and I remember she looked at me and her eyes were so I mean just like emotion there was so much emotion there and I could tell that she was going to say, I love you. And then mm-hmm. something shifted and she looked down for a second. When she looked up, there were just like flat discs. And she was like, I don't love you. And of course, I had seen the emotion before, so I didn't accept it. I went, no, 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 you love me. I saw because there was emotion. You were about to cry. And she got up to leave. And I followed her to walk her to a car right out front. And it's raining. And literally, as she was reaching for the door, I kneeled down in front of her. 
totally again abstract. I'm watching myself going like, no man, don't don't do that. That's not gonna. That's not a good idea for anyone. And and she she looked down at me and she's like, oh my god, don't, Michael, seriously, don't don't do it. And I looked up at her and in all seriousness said, what? I'm just kneeling. I just wanted to open the car door for you. <laughs> oh God. And then I did. I actually opened the car door. And on your knees? On one uh, knee? On one knee. In the rain. It's very dramatic. And, and she's getting into the car. And this is literally how it came out. Will you marry me? So defeated already. <laughs> While she's climbing in her While car. she's climbing into the car. And she kind of stopped mid-crouch. And looked at me. This is horrible. Why am I sharing this? Um, and looked at me and just didn't say anything. She just shook her head. And she got in the car and being very careful not to hit me with the car, uh, drove away. And so I was like kneeling in the middle of this rainy street in Chicago. In your mind, was it, is it an honest proposal? Like, in your mind right now, do you feel like you have proposed marriage to somebody? No. Like, it was, it was a desperate plea for attention, and it came purely from a place of fear. It wasn't premeditated. Like, at no point going into that night was like, oh, I'm going to propose to her. There was no, there was no thinking about it. It was... Okay, what does she want? What did she say she wanted more than anything in the world? To get married. Okay, what am I going to give her? Okay, I'm going to propose. Here it goes. And then if she'd said yes, I don't know what I would have done. Mm, right, right. You know, at that time, I couldn't I couldn't even put on my pants without having an existential crisis. The idea <laughs> that, that I could be in a marriage or a partnership with someone is so insane. Um, so that's a great question. No, I don't feel like I've ever actually proposed to anyone. Yeah, I feel like those actions when we're wrapped in like desperation and panic it's like i do things that are so wildly ungrounded mm-hmm. and but there's still actions i'm doing you're right and so to, i think a worse consequence would be if someone takes me seriously when i'm acting that way right have there been times where that's happened where you've like acted in that desperate ungrounded way and someone's just like ali that's great yeah let's do that no i think it's always you're like lucky <laughs> Have you? I'm trying to, I don't, I don't think so. I think we're both like, because I know people who have gotten into marriages and into jobs and like these long-term travel arrangements acting from that place of desperation. And then when they emerge from it, they look around and they go, oops. Right. What have I done? I think most of my desperation and panic moves are romantic related. I think that's when I act the most bananas. Well, that makes sense because nothing triggers those sort of fight or flight responses like emotional vulnerability in romantic situations because all of your like childhood parent stuff and like whatever, it's just all somebody says one thing and all of a sudden you're in, you're just five. Yes. And so you act like you have like, I have like tantrums probably is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, And there's a feeling of someone's pulling away then I just have a natural like instinct to want to get closer to them and that's not what they want and not what is good for anybody. Right. And so that's where a lot of it will be like, I need space and then, I'll, then that makes me panic. Totally. Michael has a great ability to get people to open up. We've been talking about vulnerability, 
and immediately I thought of a story. You're like turning red right now thinking about it. <laughs> this is amazing. You don't want to share this story. Either. Not really. <laughs> but of course he got it out of me. So basically, I've never been comfortable pooping in public bathrooms. As I told Michael, everywhere I work, I have an, a bathroom that I've designated as like, that's the bathroom. If I have to take a dump, that's where I go. And it's not close to my office. So I was working at this building, uh, working for a documentary company, and the building was three floors, and we were on the bottom floor. So my poop bathroom was the second floor. I would always go there because on the first floor, I would run the risk of my coworkers potentially recognizing my shoes underneath the stall. And if they did that, then they would know that I'm a person who poops. And so once I ate Chipotle, and I was like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. So I went up to, the, to my bathroom on the second floor, and somebody was in there. And so I went up to the third floor, and th this is the, my last chance bathroom, but this building had a really strict landlord. Her name is Zuzanna, with Z's. I don't know, she was like getting stuff from a closet. Mm -hmm. And she kind of like totally eyed me because she knew I wasn't supposed to be on the third floor. So I felt like I couldn't go to that bathroom because it'd be so weird. She knows I work on the first floor. I came all the way up to the third floor. Why? I went into the stairwell and I, I was like, what am I gonna do? I'm going to shit my pants. And so I was like, if I can just fart as much of this out, I walk up and down the stairs and fart it all. I fart a lot of it out and I start to like feel better. And I and then I'm like, I'm like not working right now. I'm like having a little moment, like a little mini alley retreat. Like a like a fart festival in the stairway. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So I had decided to take advantage of the moment and I walked up to the very top where there was a ledge and I sat down and my feet could dangle off the edge of it. And so I just kind of kicked them back and forth i'm just kind of like enjoying that i'm alone yeah. for a second and then i went back to work and my boss comes up like 10 minutes later and she's like Allie, i need to talk to you and i was like okay and she was like in the back room and i was like what what no why and so i just feel this sinking feeling and i'm like this is not good well, i don't know what she's gonna talk to me about we get to the back room she closes the door and she's like so she's very uncomfortable she's like I don't know how to say this. And I was like, just say whatever it is, just say it to me, just get it out. And she's like, well, so I got a call from Zuzanna and uh, she had me come up to her office because you were displaying some bizarre behavior. Apparently there's video cameras in the stairwell. So oh. <laughs> my boss, Zuzanna and Zuzanna's like three cronies were gathered around this video monitor watching me walk up and down in slow motion farting. But all they, they don't hear me. They just see the look on my face. And, and I so, bet they just saw relief. <laughs> well, Zuzanna thinks that I'm going to commit suicide. They thought I was going to jump. So she's <laughs> she called my boss because that was like my emergency contact apparently. And so... And so her and this group, they're like, look at her. Look at her walk up and down. Look at how sad she looks. And they're like replaying it in slow motion to this group of people. And then I still didn't tell her. I was like, 
I just needed space. I'm not, I'm fine. I, I was just so overwhelmed. And I had just got over my stomach ache and I was like, I don't, I'm fine. And she was like, okay, I'm glad you're fine. And now I will shit anywhere. Because there's such a, there's so many worse things than people knowing you shit. That's amazing. It's like the trauma of being, of that whole, just cured you of yes. your fear. Because that was so much more embarrassing. So much more embarrassing. Like, if you had just gone to the bathroom like anybody mm-hmm. else, mm-hmm. even though they would have recognized your shoes, nobody would have thought anything weird about that. They would have just said, oh, there's Allie. She's going to the bathroom like like a human does. Um, and instead, it became a whole thing where people are worried about your mental health. Right. It's a good lesson. Yeah. it That was wow. so much more embarrassing than just being like, yeah, Allie, shit. It wasn't even the farting that was as embarrassing. I think I'm most embarrassed about the moment that I like, sat down on this ledge and I was kicking my legs and I was just being totally free. And it was like this small private moment and I was being totally myself and being so vulnerable. And then a whole group of strangers were watching me and then it was recording and then my boss went and watched me. Yeah, well, and there's so much. I mean, we could talk for hours about the input because you're having a moment where you are feel like you're in private and you feel free and you feel literally unburdened, right? And what makes that moment so special is that it's yours. Right. And nobody, and so to A, find out that other people were watching it and not just watching it once, but watching it over and over and (laughs) over again. And that also, that in this moment of privacy and freedom, you apparently look suicidal. Yes. Is like, wow. That's my resting alley. You have have resting sad face or something. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because yeah, they're like, look at her, look at her, look oh, at she, look, look at her down. No, let's look at yeah. it in slow motion. She, yeah. she looks sadder in slow motion. Yeah. <laughs> and it took me until recently to tell the, the woman who had been my boss to be like, yeah, I was actually farting and stuff. And she was like, oh, yeah, it's all good. Great, we're we're fine. That's our show. Our theme music is by Danny Janino. And our artist by Jen Hamilton. Also, a special thanks this week to Libby Spears and Blueprint Films. If you like the show, please rate us and give us a review in iTunes. It goes a long way. Thanks for listening. <laughs>